1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Scouser Tommies. This one is coming to you just before one of the the biggest events in in the Scouts football calendar, the Merseyside Derby. Which, you know, maybe maybe it's going to be our last one. So maybe maybe it's the last time myself and and Jay Reed can talk about derbies. It's also happening just as we as we've sort of shown Manchester across the other side of the East Lancs what exactly football is and showed them how to play. A little bit. I sound a bit cocky, don't I? I don't think I don't think we are that cocky, but we are enjoying it. Um good good times to be a Liverpool fan with most things that's going on on the pitch at least anyway, Jay.
2: Yeah, can't moan what's going on the pitch. Um you know, as you say, we put both Manchester teams back in the box. Obviously we're chasing one of them down for the title, but um the real rivals from down the M62 or down the East Lanks, however people like to put it. Um, well and truly off the perch, pretty much in the cat litter tray now, aren't they? Uh, <laughs> if you are going to make pet references, um, you know, the the right at the bottom of the cage, rustling around in the dirty newspaper where the budgies have uh, done the business. So, yeah, it's it was nice. It was honestly the best atmosphere, I could say, being in Anfield all season on uh, Tuesday night. I think it was something where, you know, people felt like obviously coming out of Wembley with a great result, beating the other side. Um and the old rivalry with Manchester United. Um is the true rivalry. Um the whole stadium seems to just get up for it. Um and for a minute one up until the very end. You know, it was it was raucous. It was what Anfield is touted as. Um I know people give you the old where's just where's your famous atmosphere sort of chow. But you know, that was the famous atmosphere, that was the European Night Under the like, Light sort of thing atmosphere where <clears throat> you know some teams don't like it. Some teams like the, the tranquility and peace and calm. la like Man City, um, and other teams like Liverpool thrive in the chaos. And I think that was the same with Wembley. It was I'd say two thirds, three quarters Liverpool.
1: Not
2: on Saturday Yeah. I mean and it was like that, that caught those... the game
1: there's always a the thing isn't there with wembley games that if you look at the allocations you kind of got the official you know liverpool end the official opposition end and then you've got just kind of got the bits in the middle that are kind of like the corporate the corporate seats and the sort of seats that weren't really sold through the club and there's always 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 more liverpool fans in in those bits than there are any any opposition fans but i mean just to add to that as well that that's embarrassing i think for city and i know I know there were some issues with transport and stuff like that, but they couldn't even sell all of their allocation for for Wembley. And you know, we you know yourself what it's like in Liverpool when when there's a Wembley game on, everyone's asking everyone for tickets. If it's not for themselves, it's for the mate who's just missed out on a ballot or whatever. You know, whatever it might be, there's there's never enough tickets to go around. Yet there they were and having to put this great big fake banner over a load of seats. Which I mean, to be honest with you, they should have just let us have them. You know. I'm well, sure they, did. We'd have sold
2: they gave us I think it was about 2,000 back. Unreal. Um, because I, I was got lucky in the ballot, so I was I was over the moon. Um and then we had one person waiting. And I'm sorry, had two people waiting in the ballot results in the waiting list at a position five hundred and a thousand. Um the lad who was waiting at five hundred said I might get lucky sort of thing. Um and as it transpired, it dropped down to about two thousand in the waiting list. That's what they sent back. Yep. And then they couldn't even Filled the upper deck, they still had huge banners and a lot of empty seats because you know, Wembley's red um, and it's very obvious when you've got a sea of blue or white or what the men have a sea of blue and white and there's a lot of red dots around it. I know some Liverpool fans were brave enough to, to go in there, then, but they probably wouldn't have worn club colours, so the red seats were very obvious.
1: Um, yeah, I've seen a few videos of people like Liverpool fans who've been sat in the city and you know, sort of quietly filming the empty seats around them. Like you say, maybe wouldn't always even stand out from a distance, but you can see from these videos that, you know, and this is during the game. They've just, they've done that just to prove that it's not like they've not done it sort of, you know, 10 minutes before kickoff or, you know, half time or yeah, whatever like it, that. Yeah. It's really in the middle of the game that these are empty seats and it's just, it's embarrassing because I think whatever the, whatever the, the allocation would be and you look at the size of their ground, you know, it's in this day and age, I mean, you get more for semis, I think. Because there's less of the um, less of the corporate stuff, and less of the FA giving tickets out to associations in Gloucester or whatever. It, there's more tickets for the semi, but even so, you know, if everyone who who went to the ground, if it was full every week, which it probably isn't, went, they, that that's probably their allocation sorted. It just doesn't just doesn't make sense because you know, I mean, you see like a lower league team getting into a semi final. You know, every so often you'll get you'll get that where a team from from the championship makes it to the semis or something, and like everybody in town comes, you know, everybody goes, like people's mums and grands go, that kind of thing. You know, the, even if they don't sell out, the the only reason for that is because they basically everyone in the whole town has gone, and the town just literally isn't big enough. Got to look know.
2: at the playoffs. That you'll get them at the end of yeah. what, the end of May. They come up, don't they? And even League Two, League One, obviously the championship. Like they pretty much fill. Well, I know definitely the championship one does, but League One and League Two pretty much fill Wembley. And you, you get, an, as you say, town teams, like, who's probably got a town population of fifty, sixty thousand, 60,000? And they'll take thirty-five, forty down yeah. to Wembley. Like It must be so surreal if you live in that town and don't follow <laughs> football and walk around like like some zombie apocalypse has hit and there's nobody about, there's not even the shop open for a pint of milk.
1: Yeah, I've often thought, like, is that what it's like around Liverpool when there's a derby on or something? But, you know, what, I wouldn't know. Because, like, does it, I mean, I wouldn't know if it's quiet around. Because you're actually always watching the match anyway. Even if you're not at the game, you're in a pub or at home or somewhere watching it. You're not on the street. So, I did wonder what what state town's like when there's a derby on. Which, you know, there's one coming up, isn't there? But, I mean, just staying stay with the Manchester teams as well. I was in Manchester yesterday and... um didn't sort of wander around Manchester or anything but in the morning in the evening so many people around that city and you you, I just did not see a single football shirt of either of the two teams the only shirt I saw was um, I think an AC Milan shirt someone had on on a train I mean it was literally they're, they're ashamed of it and I'll say say one thing about Everton fans is that they'll still wear the blue shirts even when they're having a bit of a bad time they'll still you know, they're still, they'll still let you know they're an Everton fan. You know, they're not totally in hiding. You will still see shirts around town, but I just think Manchester just doesn't know what to do with what's going on at the minute. I think the City fans are taking it for granted because you just don't know how long things are going to stay that way. I mean, if any, anything ever happens to them about financial fair play and stuff like that, the success they're on now could dry up. You know, Chelsea may be going to get loads of money thrown at them and, and could start eating away at City success. As long as us, I mean... Fingers crossed with Liverpool. We're gonna. We're not sort of at, at our peak yet. We're still gonna get better and better, hopefully. And you know, and th- these days out could just be gone. And I just think, I don't know. It, it feels like, um, although you you can't say why individual people didn't go. It just feels a little bit of arrogance almost to me that yeah, it doesn't matter. It's not that big a thing. We'll go again. You know, maybe you won't. And that's that's the thing I've been saying all season for the last few seasons, make the most of this. You don't know how long it'll last and if you can get to a game like this, get to it. You know, you just don't know if you'll get to the next one.
2: Yeah, obviously there was, you know, travel disruption last week and it is the age old saying, like, Liverpool fans will find a way there one way mm-hmm. or another. Even if you have to get on the horseback, they'll get there. Um, and I went through Birmingham. Um, one one person drove to Birmingham um, and then we jumped the train straight into London. And the train, ten, ten, twelve carriages long. I would, I could say we, you could count on one hand the little batches of Man City fans you've seen. It was literally ninety ten in mm. terms of percentages of like fans going to London for the game in favour of Liverpool. It was, it was frightening, and obviously like all the way down through the through the stops, like going through stations such as like Bicester, um, Oxford, High Wycombe. You know, like these are like middle parts of the country that you wouldn't even associate with obviously having Liverpool fans there, but we are that big of a global club. Yeah. Every platform we stopped at it was red shirts or Liverpool fans in one way or another, whether they had scarves or hats, you knew it was Liverpool fans and very, very few Man City fans. And whether it's you know, some of them tried to put the excuse out, so they've been to Wembley that many times. But this is the biggest team in the land you're playing. Like Whether you've been to Wembley 10 times or once in your life, when you go to a game and you're playing the biggest team in the land, you turn up. Like Your team needs you. That's what you do. That's what being a fan is. Yeah. Um. And it was embarrassing, really, what they, they showed up with.
1: They've not got the proper rivals, have they, in a way? Like... I think if it was a Liverpool-Man United semi-final, then there's just that rivalry that's gone on for years and years and years between us. If it was a Merseyside derby uh, game at Wembley, I think it you'd, it would sell out. You know, even even Evertonians would find would find the the chance to get down to the to Wembley. They'd take it, and these you know these big rivalries are part of the part of the attraction. But then when you've not got the sort of long-standing rivalries, you still got your kind of like. I kind of think it was like short-term ones because you don't know how long they're gonna last. Like we had it a bit with Chelsea because you know we kept playing them, like especially like two thousand and five, and every so often. But I mean that that rivalry isn't the same as what we've got with with United or Everton. That's a totally different kind of rivalry, and the one that we're kind of having with City now feels like the same kind of thing. It'll last as long as both of us are good, you know. And when sooner or as one of us isn't good, that'll just go away again, and it'll just not be that same kind of rivalry. And for City though, maybe that is their only rivalry. Like they've not. You know Manchester United sort of hate Leeds, they hate us, they hate they hate City obviously and stuff like that. They've got all those rivalries, but but City don't really have them, do they? They've not. You know they were they were they were quite big at one time, went down to nearly nothing, went down a couple of divisions. They just don't seem to have the same rivalries. I mean, I don't know. They're, don't they're Probably know. A more a rivalry probably. with Oldham.
2: I was just <laughs> like thinking,
1: that. yeah, Rochdale, Oldham, that kind of stuff. <laughs>
2: like that sort of Northern Manchester, Greater Manchester region. Yeah. Um, it yeah they just. Because it's an inflated, like middle tier club. That, that's all they are, really. Like, you know, you even look at like obviously Newcastle have have gone sort of down the same route in terms of financial ownership and whatever. But they're a huge club. Like Newcastle have always been established. It's a huge club. Obviously, a one club city, um, and they've obviously got Sunderland and sometimes they classify Middlesbrough as their rivals. But if Middles, sorry, if Newcastle were to meet Manchester United or meet Liverpool in a league game it's a huge game because it goes back through history and you genuinely you couldn't pick out a game from the mid 90s or noughties with manchester city and say oh that was a a barnstorming game or that was once for the ages that was one to remember because they weren't about they just weren't there like they literally only appeared when they got the cash and as you say once if the cash was to disappear i for whatever reason or another you know the decline might not be as fast as the ascents, but they will decline more than likely because that's their level. They're just not that big a club as much as they think they are. It's just overinflated, falsified.
1: That's that's all they are. And I wonder how long the fans will stick with them as well because there's going to be a lot of the fans. I mean, I can remember a time when you would see quite a few Blackburn shirts around. Now, not not in Liverpool as such, but you know, you kind of just travelling around the northwest generally, maybe even the rest of the country, you'd see Blackburn shirts because they'd just won the league and. You know, I'm sure that most of those people that you would see away from Blackburn wearing those shirts have not got a Blackburn shirt anymore. They're either not into the football or they've, they've changed who they support. And I've, I don't know, I'm not saying all City fans are like that, but there's quite a few who you just know are just going to be. I'm not asked, I'm not asked about football. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I mean like my partner's boss. Um, she had the pleasure to go into the final because her husband is a City fan and they. Uh, their two kids, well, their son is a City fan and the daughter sort of follows along because, um, you know, that that was just what was born up in the family, sort of thing. And um, he couldn't make the final, uh, the semi final, because of uh, COVID. So um, the mother took the, the two kids down and she said she was that, she, she realized, obviously, she works within Liverpool Airport, which is obviously the main airport for the city. Um, she knew Liverpool was big. We said, like, she didn't realise how big we are as a club. And, like, she ended up getting lost and end up in the Liverpool fan sort of section um, prior to the game. Um, and she said, like, the noise. Obviously, she's been to the Etihad a few times um, to watch games. And she said, like, I know it. she wasn't really into football. We said, like, I didn't really understand how big Liverpool are and how noisy they are and how popular they are because that was her first proper experience. She's never really been to field because she's had no reason to go otherwise. Yeah. Um, and she said, like, when she went into work on Monday morning, they were having a, a chat over a coffee in the morning. She was like, obviously, the Jay goes to Wembley, yes, sort of thing and whatever. And she's like, they're a noisy lot, aren't they? And they're everywhere. <laughs> There's that, that, literally, they were the words out of her mouth. <laughs> they're noisy and they're everywhere. And I was, she was like, well, yeah. <laughs> she was like, obviously, I've been in a relationship with Ed and, probably drove her insane with talking about Liverpool and it's constantly on the telly at the moment and stuff. And she's like, <laughs> when is the season going to end? Um, and I was like, well, you'll get a few months off in the summer, but then, you know, there's transfer talk and all that. Um, and she said, like, that was the way it's out of her mouth, the noisy and they're everywhere. It's like, well, that kind of probably sums us up as a fan base.
1: Exactly, yeah, yeah, it is. And it, the thing is, though, like, I mean, that leads us sort of, unfortunately, on like, like, we are noisy. We are everywhere, but the noise is always, I mean, I, I think it's good that for, as a Liverpool fan, you won't hear us singing about other clubs unless they're actually the team that, in front of us that we're playing. You know, we don't, we have, we have songs about Manchester United, mainly songs being about what Manchester might be full of is what is one of them, but you won't hear us, you, you won't hear us singing that when we're playing Wolves. You won't hear us singing anything about any other club. Like you can play. You can play teams, and they all start. You know, Chelsea will sing about Steven Gerrard, whoever they're playing. You know, a song about Gerrard slipping up and helping another team, not Chelsea, win the league. It's, you know, it's, and to me, that that's that's an embarrassment to those clubs to have stuff like that. We don't sing about other clubs, unless we're playing them. But even when we are playing them. You know, in this day and age, it's it's funny, it's jokey, it's not to be taken seriously, it's it's rivalry stuff. It's it's nothing that you wouldn't it's nothing I, I don't think there's anything that you would sort of not say if you had a colleague in work or something who supported them. It's all kind of it is just jokey. But then inevitably the way football is, you get you get people who just don't understand about the fact that it is really at the end of the day just a game. It's fun, it's exciting, it's it can be it can be devastating when you lose it can be exhilarating when you win all of that stuff but it is still only a game and there's a limit to how far you can go with it yet as we saw at Wembley from City fans during the minute silence and as we heard at Anfield throughout the game some fans and not the whole fan base of those clubs but enough of them to be heard just haven't got any respect whatsoever for the fact that 33 years ago Someone opened a gate, unlawfully killing 97 people at a football match that could have been anyone. There's just literally the luck of the draw and the decision of the FA at which end to stick fans at is what meant that it was Liverpool fans who died. Yet, nothing nothing in the minds of those idiots at that, that both of those games seems to sort of draw that to their attention. They, I mean, half of them won't know. Half of them know full well. It's... Surely, I mean, in, by now they should know enough just not to do it.
2: You'd like to think so, um, but sadly, in in this day and age, I think it's even getting worse. Um, whether that's because social media is around and it can allow things to be seen on a bigger scale. Um, I mean, I, I I can't remember going to games and hearing things as much as you hear now. Whether that's just because you're more away you older you switched on to things or or you you were you were lost in the game as a young youngster or whatever. Um but like it, it's it's part tribalism, it's part idiocy, I think. I right? and I think some of it especially coming from like the Manchester clubs and it, it will inevitably come from small sections of the Everton fan base on Sunday as well. We'll get to that. Um, I think it's like Sort of a status thing that they're trying to prove that, you know, like, look what we can say and do um, and nothing will happen to us. And like what has rattled a lot of Liverpool uh, fan base and, and rightly so is, you know, Liverpool fans um, sung a song about Billy Gilmore played for Norwich and other Chelsea Loney players. And we've touched on it back earlier on the season and, you know, there's the connotations to that and reasons as to why it was now deemed disrespectful and it shouldn't be. Um, sung by the by the fans, and it was all over social media, it was all over the mainstream media, it was in the papers, it was on the television. You know, like the club made a statement apologising and, like, you know, said they will try and do the best to eradicate it. This has been happening week in, week out, year in, year out, and it was more than clear enough on the semi final on Saturday. Like, it was a minute silence of respect, and it was misinterpreted by some people because it was silence that wasn't adhered to by my City fans and then the Liverpool fans booed it because you know they're trying to say well you're not adhering to what's been asked of you and then obviously it was cut short and some people were saying it was the City fans booing and I can say from where I was sat it was it was us booing them for you know the lack of respect and then you know fast forward three to four days later we show a sign of respect to a man who plays for Manchester United who's lost a child. Not regardless of who he plays for, he's lost a child. Yep. And it was a, a huge outshone of respect from pretty much all corners of the ground. And from what I could see, the Manchester United fans appreciated it. And then you still get the minors idiots who, not even a minority, because it was loud enough to be heard at the other end of the ground where I was in the cop end, saying what they say. And... You know, there's, there's no sort of outcry on, on social media or in the national media or on the television. Like, it's gone too far now. We've all seen what's gone on with the Hillsborough campaign, or the, the trials and tribulations through the courts. And, you know, justice has never truly been served. But things need to be done now because it feels like it's one rule for one and one rule for everybody else. Um, now, whether that's a true reflection on society, which it could be said, in, in the current times, it it's not right. It's it will be happening on Sunday. We know it will, and you'll probably get who else we got to come to Lamfield this season: Tottenham and Wolves. There'll probably be some sort of reference, whether it's heard loud enough or not, possibly from them fan bases. We have then it. got Villa coming, who were openly respectful to it. They, they they bring banners, and you know they've they've openly respected the the loss of the ninety seven. And um, it just shows like. You know, it's not every fan base. It can be, you know, respected, and what that's all—that's all Liverpool fans really want—is respect
1: and justice for them. I think what, what's wound me up in a, in a lot of ways is, I mean, for one thing, it's not—we're not upset for ourselves. Most of us, as in, the people who are upset, we're, we're upset for the for the families. We're upset for for the survivors who actually, to this day, are still, you know, still suffering from PTSD. We're we're, we're sad for the for the families of the people who who got PTSD and ended up not not living as long as they should because of the toll it took on them. It was horrific. It was absolutely horrific what happened, and to be a family member, knowing that your loved one went in what was a horrific situation, and all because of all because of someone being incompetent and unlawfully. You know, a man in a man in control, a man in a privileged position, an important position, a position where you should be able to be trusted, couldn't be trusted, and he basically unlawfully killed those people. It's not, it's not us on mass. It's not the cop that you're upsetting. You're annoying us because we're sticking up for we're sticking up for the families. We've we've had to stick up for the families for thirty three years because the police tried to cover up what happened because certain sections of the press thought it would be a good laugh to help them. Um, it's, and, and for years and years and years, all these myths have, have persisted. And I think there there's going to be some people who don't know because to be quite honest, they're not asked. And that's, that's the way it is. They've, they've heard the story that they want to believe. They're not asked. The same kind of people who, without, without going on, on, on about politics, you kind of, you, you, you hear people in, in political arguments and they just made their mind up months ago about something they heard off some YouTube channel for some dodgy sort of, biased individual and that's it now that's the version that suits them whatever it's on brexit immigration whether it's it it could be on all kinds of different things they've just made the mind up and that's it they're just going to just going to go along with it and so there's always people like that but i think after the game my, my my answer to it was like certainly after the city game was we've got to we've got to deal with it so there's people who aren't bothered people who know full well what they're doing there's people who maybe know what they're doing but aren't totally sure um, as you say, young people sometimes, like we, we've all been young and sort of done things and then sort of, you know, an older person comes home and you say, don't be a dickhead, you realise what you're doing. So to me, one of the key things we can do about this is educate people. Now, if it's my fan base that's doing something wrong and I think the Chelsea chance we made a big deal about that as a club, then I think it's my, my role as a fan that if I spot anyone doing stuff they shouldn't, that I can go to them and say, listen, that's not right, and this is why it's not right, and try and explain it to them. You know, and as a, as a fan base, you kind of get your own house in order, so to speak. And that's where I said, after the game with City, that they need to educate the fans. and it's, And I was clear with what I said, that I know it's not all of them, but the fact is it's some of them. And... If it was Liverpool fans doing something, I'd be ashamed as a Liverpool fan. I'd be embarrassed, I'd be upset, I'd be annoyed, I'd be angry. And I'd want it to stop. I wouldn't want them to be associated with my club. And I wouldn't do it by saying, ah, it's just a minority. Most of us aren't like that. They're idiots, These, I'd be like, yeah, it is a minority. Most of us aren't like They are idiots. But we still need to stop them. We still need to do something about it. And the attitude from some people was... I mean, City put an apology through to the BBC... They didn't put it on the website, they didn't put it on the social media, they've not followed it up at all. It's like they've just about done the bare minimum. Yeah, apologizing to the BBC gets gets it some coverage. Yeah, Pep talking about it afterwards when asked gets it some coverage. But the the lasting thing is to get something on the website is to is to make an effort and to educate people. And maybe it's time the FA, the Premier League and all the other bodies in the game sort of got together and said we need to educate everybody on this we need to explain why it's wrong and i think education is what makes a difference i think the reason racism racism was rife when i used to go to the match back in the 80s it it was i mean it, it was it was horrible what happened if a black player was playing even and, I, and i'll say this now including liverpool fans including the cop it was horrible when john barnes came it stopped and i think maybe what made it stop then is that people opened their eyes and started thinking about what they were doing and they were educated if you like and that's the thing it's about education if you don't know it's wrong or you don't realize it's wrong or if you think you've got a bit of a justification for it you'll you'll do it all the more so it's time to educate and it just it just frustrates me that the 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 attitude from some city fans to me on twitter was oh you know what do you want us all to go on hillsborough awareness courses and it's like no i want you to feel bad about what happened and i want you to to want it to be better for the sake of your club and your reputation if nothing else and that to me just sums up some of the people still watching the game now that just do not give a damn about what they do and to me it's time they weren't even allowed in a game, weren't even allowed in a ground
2: Excuse me, there's not much uh, television coverage technology now to be able to identify these people I mean there was a situation that arose at the Etihad and the fan or the couple of fans who were clearly making gestures and comments towards Liverpool fans regarding Hillsbury. It was it was clear as day. That person can be identified, but whether they have or have not been reprimanded for it, we don't know. And the chances are they probably aren't because we're just that used to people doing nothing about these things anymore. Yeah. But things need to be done that the facilities are there for people to do it. Like there was enough stewards and enough television, uh, CCCC coverage at Anfield to be, be able to identify who, where that mass outbreak of United fans were singing what they were singing on Tuesday night it was there, it was evidence I right? and just as you were saying about the, the education and the awareness and stuff like that as you say Pep was prompted about it and then commented I think it was one of the first things that Klopp came up with on Tuesday night was you know the sign of respect from Manfield, for Ronaldo, mm. and it wasn't even a, you know, a prompted question, loaded question for him. It was something that he he's come out with because he, he he's just a class man. He understands football. He understands people. He understands society. He, he's an educated man. It doesn't take much to educate yourself and getting onto that point. Yeah, um, you know, it was it was not to do with who the who the lad played for. It was merely somebody's lost a child, a newborn child in a yeah. tragic situation. And, you know, there was a, a small minority of fans who have seen on social media, and there was even a guy in front of me at the ground who was questioning, why, why are you applauding them? We, we weren't applauding them. You're applauding, the, you know, a show of support for a man who's just lost a child. You know, yeah. that, that that's the type of idiot. And he was on his own in the, in the small minority around us. I think everybody... Was, Rose to the feet, obviously we were in the cops so you stand anyway, but around the ground and did do a minute's applause. As soon as the minute was over, straight back to Liverpool songs. That's it. Yeah. And yeah. that's all it took.
1: It's humans he- it's humans feeling for other for another well, for a whole the other humans because it's not just a player, it's his it's his partner. It's 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 the siblings of, of the lost child. It's one of the most horrific things a human can go through. It is it's you know, death's not an easy thing to deal with, but to lose a to lose a child it's, it's horrific and i think i don't know I, I reckon all of us know somebody who's been through something similar if we if it wasn't you know themselves so it, it's and it's that kind of saying isn't it there but for the grace of god go i and all of that you're just glad it's not you and and so sad and you what what can you do to help them there's nothing you can do to help them other than try and show them that that you're thinking of them and you know does it hurt to kind of clap for a minute to, to sing songs to, to be nice for a minute? No, it doesn't. And, and I think anyone who didn't want to join in that, all you had to do was just stay quiet. Like, you didn't yeah. have, you know, you didn't, don't moan about it. I think you were saying, weren't you, that you heard someone complaining, but you know, I mean, don't moan. If you don't want to clap, don't clap. It's like when there's a minute's applause for something, if you don't approve it, just don't applaud it then. just Just stand there quietly, but don't make a din. Don't, don't be. You know, don't be noticed. In other words, and I think you know, it's like that with this. If you if you don't think it's right, just just stay quiet. It's not wrong if you don't have to join in. If you're that bad with you with your rivalry, you've got you got let people get under your skin that much. Then fine, just stay quiet and let other people show show what you maybe should have done if you were a bigger person.
2: The way I looked at it was, you know, what we've touched on here, we're asking for just a bit of respect from people to. A dear to those who've lost lives in the Hillsborough tragedy, and you know, you can imagine those people who were probably upset by the fact that they were, you know, a minute's applause for for a child that was lost at birth, are probably the same ones who were outraged that City did what he did. You know, it, you can't. You just ways. sometimes you've just got to put football aside and accept that you know you can't have things both ways. If you want people to respect the fan base. That we are and the tragedy that we've gone through and what we've lost. You've also got to appreciate others. And I know when when you know the of tragedy comes around and it's the anniversary for that, you know, Liverpool fans adhere to that. You know, like there's other things that happened. If there's, you know, players that have lost who played for other clubs and there's a minute's silence or a minute's applause. Ninety nine percent of the time the idea to that? Was it just because it was Manchester United or Manchester City that People are getting the backs up. It shouldn't be like that. Sometimes you've just got to remember, as you said, it's just a game. And we can't be asking for people to respect ours, our losses and not respect everyone else's. And, and I say this as a there was probably a small minority who have done this. But as you say, th- these people have got to be educated and aware in, in people's ear. Might just make them think twice about it. And that's probably how it's got to start because... You've got to self police because clearly we're not getting the help of, you know, the national media or the mainstream media or anybody else. Nobody's probably going to help us. We're going to probably have to try and do it ourselves to our best of our ability.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think racist chanting, homophobic chanting, all 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 of those types of 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 chanting are actually illegal. You know, there's actually legislation in place that you know it's, it's a hate crime basically, and you and you can't do it. And I think one of the issues with Hillsborough stuff is that you can't as far as I know, there's no it's not really classed as a hate crime, but may maybe it should be. But but the truth is it, it shouldn't even come down to legalities. It's a game of football. It's about just having respect for each other. It's about, you know, having a laugh, having a joke with each other and, you know, you can be rivals and you can be angry and all the rest of it. I mean, during a game, the things that you might want to do to one of the opposition players, if he does that to your player again, you don't mean it and you don't cross any lines and stuff like that. But you you know, the emotion can get to you. But it just um I think I think one thing as well is that I hey, hate is when when we do something good, is that when and some of our fans then might say, why did we do that? Because they do these bad things to us. You know, there's no point us being good because they'll only do these bad things. The thing is, we keep on not doing the bad things as much as we can, the, the as most of us as possible. Then it just takes any any moral. High, you know, they they just can't come at us. They just cannot answer what we're doing because. If ten years from now they're looking back and thinking you never did bite, did you? You never did retaliate, you know. Don't don't start doing Munich stuff because they're doing Hillsborough stuff. You can't do that. It's wrong. Two wrongs don't make a right. Um, And also the amount of times that you get Manchester United fans claiming claiming that they saw people doing Munich gestures, and I mean I don't know about you, but I can't remember the last time I heard any sort of actual Munich chanting or gestures at a Liverpool-Man United game. Maybe, I've just not seen it, but it's certainly not blatant. It's certainly not blatant the way the stuff was that they were singing in the week.
2: No, no. no. I, I, I can't say I've been witness to any bit. Like, I mean, there's there's other fan bases who are very vocal about it. I uh, won't name them. If you want to find out who they are, I'm sure you can go and have a look. Um, search Manchester United rivalries and you'll find it. But it's not something that is heard. I don't think I've heard it around the ground. Like you might see a like the odd idiot say something, but it might be the odd person, and it's like in a crowd of people, and you hear nothing. Like, but there's no ever, never ever a chance chanting, uh, chanting about it or you know a huge swell of people saying things because we've been there ourselves. Like we 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 know what it's like to lose people through a through a tragedy, so we're educated enough, like as much as people like to say you know people from the pool and scouts are uneducated and can't get a job and stuff like that. I like maybe you blink it because of the club you support and the people you you mingle with, but I think we're probably one of the most educated fan bases around because yeah. we just get what it is like when things have to be done like the Ronaldo thing I can't imagine many other clubs would have probably done that and it was just a rise like 48 hours before the game or 24 hours before the game it was just a quick rise of like social media campaign and a swell of people passing on information and saying this is what we're going to do there yeah. was no announcement for it there was no like prompt on the we haven't even got a, a big screen but you know like on the scoreboard and nothing. there was no prompts for stuff like that it was just spontaneous because yeah. we're a class act
1: as a club yeah because as soon as you hear something like that i mean in days gone by it might have even been you wouldn't hear it on social media you'd, you'd, you'd be going around the pubs and, and stuff like that going around workplaces and stuff in the days leading up to something but that's the thing as soon as you hear something like that you want to do that because it doesn't hurt you to do it it helps it makes things nice nicer a little tiny bit nicer i'm there's nothing we'll get rid of the pain they're going through. But you know what? East Ronaldo's thanked the Liverpool fans for what they did and it suggests that that maybe it took away the pain just for a moment for him, a little tiny bit. And they, they're the things that can make a difference. And you know, the exact opposite to where all the Hillsborough chanting type people are doing because they're just prolonging the pain and continuing the pain. Because I've seen Hillsborough family members talking about it this week and, and people I know who who are family members and survivors and I know how much it hurts them and how unnecessary it is. And, you know, it's just time to stop. It really is time to stop. Away from that, though, I think there's another way to look at Manchester. And we've just basically, we've sort of shown them how to play football in the last couple of games. Um, I've actually had a Man City fan say to me that we were amazing at Wembley. We deserve to win, you know. um, He wasn't prompted. He wasn't under any pressure to say it. He really felt it. And I think... That, that to me, what I found interesting about that is that we are closely matched. I mean, the league table tells you how closely matched we are. The game at their place tells you how closely matched we are and, and the last one around the field. But are we, are we maybe just starting to edge ahead or was that just one game? It feels like we're the stronger team now. It won't necessarily win us the league because they might still be strong enough to win every game they've got left. But to me, it does feel like we're the stronger team now.
2: Um. I think we're just a stronger club. Yeah. I think we've always probably had, on paper, when it comes down to it, I think we've always, we, we would always say we've always had the stronger 11. Um, on paper, on, on our day, we've always, you know, rose to the occasion. I think what it has been is, as I touched on earlier on, is the environment which the games were played in. Um, earlier on in the season, when they come to Anfield, there was a few players missing for us. Um it's early on in the season, though there's a bit of, you know, uncertainty and unbalance about teams, you know, they're just sort of getting into the stride slowly. Um and then obviously the, the years couple of years previous where we've played them, um, the games have always been close, but at Anfield, with the fans, with a full strength team, we are superior. We we thrive in the in the chaotic environment, in the noise, in the swell of the game where they they're, they're a robotic team. It's, it's been said many a times like Pep is the, is the organ grinder that gets that, that machine going. And you can, take a co- you can take a cog out and you can replace it with somebody else. And they just tend to do the same thing. Um, and for that to happen on a smooth basis, they need a, a level playing field. They need tranquility. They need the Etihad, which is usually quiet. They need, huh. you know, teams to bow down and just adhere to their machine. Where Liverpool don't do that. We didn't do that when we went to Etihad. You know, we we ruffled them at times, we were not great. But we ruffled them at times. As soon as they got to Wembley, and the chaos was there, and it, you don't need to reference back to games at Anfield when when it's chaotic, when it's noisy, when our lads are doing what the fans are doing on the on the sidelines and making lots of chaos and noise, then all of a sudden. They're rattled and they haven't got a clue what to do
1: with it. Um, they just stood there watching it go past them, aren't they? Just watching the game yeah, go by in front I, of their eyes.
2: Once you start throwing like things into the machine and like making it uncomfortable, the machine doesn't work. <laughs> I and it was more than evidence. Um, I I enjoyed that first half. I was more, actually more disappointed that we didn't see any of the goals at our end of the ground. You all seemed to be at the other end of the ground for that game. That was the only disappointment on the day. That you know, there's that far distance between where we were and where the goals were scored. There's that momentary lapse of like, who scored that? And did they go in? And then you sort of like, you're in that much celebration. You're like, so was that money or was that salad? Sorry. You know, it's, it's another yeah, yeah. goal. You, ch- you can't tell. Yeah.
1: I mean, there's games around Field sometimes where they were ending. You're like waiting for George to tell you. Who got the goal because it's yeah. just like a, you know, there's been a bit of a melee or whatever. and Like you say, the excitement and everything else, it, it doesn't matter because what, you, what you've seen is that net ripple, that's it, then you're off. You,
2: yeah, as, it, soon, as soon as the, the net ripple, like even the first one, I think it was Kanate, no idea who scored it, <laughs> like because you just seen the, the corner come in, the net go mad, and then it's just chaos. And you're like, so we've actually scored, and there's probably about a 35 40 second wait between now and. Who had scored um and yeah it's, it's it's just when 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 we can play like that we don't we don't have to play that every week and we've seen it probably since christmas a couple of times when when we want to go up to fair the fourth gear um we can do it yeah. and nobody can compete with us that's um, i think
1: that when we played in, in the league game i think that our issue was it took us a while to remember that we needed not to just play second gear for this game. We needed to get into third and fourth gear for this one. It felt to me like we just took our time doing that. I don't think we took our time at Wembley at all. We were straight in, you know, straight through the gears into the top gear, basically for the first half, maybe eased off a bit second. Um And against the Manx, I think, against we didn't i don't think we, we got out of second gear. yeah we didn't need it but we were clearly two gears ahead of them and we and that's the way we kind of that's the best way to play just stay two gears ahead of them whoever they are In the case of the manks then actually you could probably stay in first gear and still be two gears ahead of them the way they are at the minute which you know we felt sorry for them in the second half we seemed to let them have a bit of a chance but
2: well, you know? we even got to the um obviously the, the issue with the referee and the cops started all laying. Manchester United pinging the ball around while we were waiting for them, <laughs> yeah. the referees to come out because that's the most possession and that they've strung together. And even then, it was like you know, it's it's the type of fans that we are. We 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 can see what's what's transpired across you know the game, and then we can sit there and just actually mock you openly while you're stood in front of our, our end of the ground, well, that, and we're just
1: going to mock you. That's what I think. I was thinking this the other day. So. I can't remember when it was now. I'm going to say five years ago, roughly speaking. There was a there was a derby match midweek night game, and we we just like I think we won four 0 or something. We just we just kept on scoring against them, and instead of like cheering the goals, I got to a point where I was laughing at them, because it was just literally funny that against Everton, you know, and all the anger and all the build up. You know what it's like as you're getting closer to a derby normally anyway. You know they're always going to be so they're always you know they're always going to be a threat to us and all the rest of it. It's that the way we just sort of demolished i mean it just it was just funny and i felt that like against against the Manx the other night i think you know it, it at times it's so tense that fixture and at times it has no re- relationship to what kind of form the two teams are in in the rest of the league games that they're playing you know it can just be a, a game totally on its own but um i mean i don't think i've actually laughed like that at about at a liverpool united game um i've enjoyed plenty but i don't think i've ever laughed like that um but that takes us nicely on to our next game is against the team that I have laughed at, laughed at (laughs) so many times. Um, The team that basically blame everything on us and then wonder why blaming us isn't actually answering all the problems for them. It's going to be, it must be hard. I mean, I I wouldn't say, never say you feel sorry for Nevertonian because you don't like that for one thing, but you know, I wouldn't want to be an Evertonian now. You're an Evertonian, your club's struggling. You're in the relegation zone. You've you've got worries about money because of your Russian links and and that been sort of dried up. You've got you've got also on top of all that, you've got the best team in Europe playing next door. It must be awful.
2: Yeah, I think we've mentioned numerous times um, across the season. It, it it becomes comedy and laughable, um, and every everyone. You support Liverpool, especially you live in the city, has got an Evertonian close to them, whether it's friends or family. And it's got to the point now where you go into work on a Monday morning and you just sort of look at them and you don't even have to say nothing and you go, Don't <laughs> <laughs> you, like, you don't even have to open your mouth. Like usually you can go in, and you could say, like, oh you're unlucky there at the weekend or you know, I like, you know, I just got beat or whatever. There might be some sort of football conversation or if they if had lost out to so a late minute ago, you'd be like, ah, where yeah. now it's just, you just have to look at them and they go, don't, 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 don't start. And you're like, I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> I was literally just just going to wish you good morning. Um, and they're like, no, we're not, it's written all over your face. And you're like, well, you know. Um, and, you know, the couple of people who have gone who are Everton fans, um, they want the season to end, like yesterday. If they, if they could, they would have ended the season before it began because obviously the situation with Benitez and whatever was in their eyes always destined to fail. But in hindsight, I think personally they wouldn't be in such a deeper mess as they're in now had they kept hold the of Benitez because he was a manager who knew what he was doing. Yeah. Um, and now that they've got Lampard in, it's the man that they wanted. If, you know, the, the fortunate thing should happen and, you know, they do go down. Um, they got no one else to blame but themselves because they begged and screamed and cried and hung the bed sheets out whatever they wanted and wanted Lampard in. Yeah. And if Lampard takes you down because he's got no managerial experience in a relegation battle, he's you know he's he's barely wet behind the ears as a manager and he's not even exactly great at that. Um, they've only got themselves to blame. I'm sure they'll blame us. I'm sure they'll blame you know var and everybody else around the world but themselves but the harsh reality is that they wanted this fella in and you know we he's driving the ship right down into the bottom of the sea
1: i think i go back to like when Moyes was the manager and there was they started to get calls for him to go and the reason they were getting calls for him to go is because and they're always looking at us i mean they'll they'll deny this but they are they're always looking at us if If we were finishing sixth and seventh in the table and they were finishing ninth and tenth, they'd probably be okay with that because they're just behind us. They're not far from us. You know, they'd be, you know, their ambition would be that next season they'll be the one finishing sixth and seventh and we'll be the one just below them. Their season, on the seasons when they have finished above us, they've been absolutely in their elements. In recent years, it's been more like they've been happy when they've had a draw against us or something like that. It's, it, it it does feel like they, everything they do, they judge against us. So when Moyes was manager, there was lots of them calling for him to go and, Really, he was probably the best manager of, of recent times in terms of what he did, because they were... I mean, they got gone in the Champions League one season, but let's not talk about that. It's all our fault that they didn't get through. Well, and, well they'll, be, they'll be after Villarreal next week, won't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah don't mention um, Italian referees, whatever you do. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was, it was, it was, it was a time when I think they were getting somewhere and they were on the verge of something and it didn't happen. And sacking the manager it isn't the way to make things change. I, and for me, that's the, the, the two mistakes they've made well, number one, blaming everything on us and, and looking at us and, and using us as the sort of yardstick to what they want to be and then being sad when it doesn't happen. And then the other, the other, the other is assuming that changing a manager changes everything. I think you've only got to look at Liverpool and the success we've had, big part of the success we've had. It's not just down to Klopp, not just down to his coach. It's not just down to his players and getting the best players we can for each position on the pitch. It's the fact that there's guys at head office who just know exactly what to do, and the and you know male and female, sorry, not let's not be sexist. There's there's the best people at their job in those roles, in those positions, in those in the club. They're not, you know, they've gone out of the way to find the best people to run different parts of the club, and that means we're running like a machine, on and off it. It's. It's you know, it's a formidable enterprise, Liverpool football club, not just on the pitch but off it. And then you look at you just look at Everton and it just feels like it still still feels like an amateurish club that's sort of I don't know, relying on volunteers to help out too much and just just trying to do stuff on the cheap all the time. Um I've spent a shed load of money. They thought they were rich. They were made up with it. They were going to show Liverpool because, as always, that's the that's the big thing they want to do is to show Liverpool. And they showed Liverpool how to waste money, basically, and bought loads of loads of players that just didn't fit, didn't work out, weren't right, changed managers who didn't want those players. Um, and, and in my view, when they got one of the best managers they, they could have had, Benitez, they gave him nothing. They gave him some free transfers. Yet, still, all the blame went to Rafa. All the blame went that way rather than looking at what fed into that situation Um, if you're going to blame Rafa for anything it's for him accepting the job because he should have known basically that he was going to be let down like this and the Evertonians would never accept him, enough of them anyway, so he made every game difficult for him but yet there's still that same toxicity you feel at that ground.
2: I think really they're just a Man United light (laughs) When when you look at them, you know, the trials and tribulations the changes of the managers the off the pitch, the ownership they are just like a man new light um and i was saying this to me the other day isn't it Boston? like both of our rivals are an absolute turmoil and chaos and we're just rolling along nicely you know I like, still on for t- four trophies we when we sign players we sign the exact right player like you've only got to look at Luis Diaz, who come in in january yeah you couldn't have picked a better player to come in like Obviously whether it was brought forward from the summer or whatever and it's been a bonus that we've had him for the, the few months we've had him. But you know, people are saying it he looked like he's been here forever because we just do the right thing, we do our due diligence, we we ensure that we're not just signing a footballer, we're signing a person. And with united whatever and it's just been throw some cash at this lad and it might work and not necessarily any sort of plan on the field, off the field. You know, ironically both the stadiums are crumbling apart. I like, it, it is as a lip fan it it's it's so good to be sat here in a comfortable position. But as you say, like we are the yardstick for both of them. Um yeah. the miles behind and Everton are like years behind at the moment, they are so far behind. And yeah. you do fear if if they do go, they there could be a while before the back. So maybe this Sunday is is a party for us. Maybe it's a celebration that it could be the last one for a while.
1: It could be. I mean, you look at Derby and and Derby have just gone down another division. Ex Evertonian, always once a blue, always a blue. Went went and joined Man United. Wayne Rooney um, is the manager, and to be fair to him, he's he's done his best. He has done his best, but the amount of points he had deducted because basically an owner tried to get around some rules on FFP and didn't get round them, you know, tried, you know, tried to, to use different companies and so on to, to put money through and things like that, which is, is probably okay in the normal business world, but in football, you're not, you're not allowed to do it. It's against the rules. They got points starts, they went into administration, they've, they've been going down a division. And there's other clubs that's had it as well. And I just think, that to me, as if I was an Evertonian, and even as a Liverpool fan in a way, that's my big worry for Everton, is that administration could be around the corner. Because the difference in money that you get, even with parachute payments, as you drop down a division, the, as we, I think we said it last time, the contracts the players are on won't be, won't be protected against relegation because they weren't expecting it. I mean, they started the season wanting to be challenging for a European spot, at least, and they're ending it trying to avoid relegation it's it's bad management from above in my view but i think also that i don't think i genuinely don't think that loud sections of the fan base help them because it is that thing blame it on liverpool blame it on the manager you know shout at your club i mean the way the campaign for lampard what was the thinking behind that was it literally that it was it literally that he was ex-chelsea liverpool hated him and he had that argument with Klopp that wasn't really an argument, he just looked a bit of a div.
2: Yeah, because we went and scored as soon as he started Marvin off. Yeah. And that was in our like celebration period, wasn't it, when we'd already won the title. Um So I think that that genuinely all it was. I like, I think if you if you'd offered them Wayne Rooney, did you take Wayne Rooney as manager. And they wouldn't say why they'd taken him other than, oh, he's a well, he was a blue, but he was a mank for you know <laughs> Seven apes of his career. He and played he at Man United.
1: Li- yeah, and he, I think he still lives over that way as well, doesn't he? Yeah,
2: so. like he. he but they you take him because you know he's one of us? Like the the whole cries for the the big dunk situation. Like give give it to big dunk. Like it's like us. It you know, turning around and saying, I don't know, give it to Mascherano because he threw into a few players and threw a few tackles in. Like yeah, he, he's got no managerial credence to to qualify for the job. But you know he, he he gave it his all on his pitch, so give it to him. Like even even now, like the the whole-hearted, level-headed Liverpool fan would say, Stephen Gerrard is nowhere near ready for this Liverpool job. No. no if way. Klopp was to walk away tomorrow, he would be nowhere near what we wanted or what we needed or what was required. No. And he, I think he said that himself. Like he knows he's not stupid. If he's going to get the job, he would get it on merit, and he's not in that merit at all.
1: I mean, I remember saying about Brendan Rodgers years ago that when he was our, our boss, and the, the nicest thing I, I kind of ended up saying about him was that he might be a good manager, he might one day be a brilliant manager, whether he will be or not is another matter, and I, we, we can argue all day about that. But the truth is he wasn't there yet, and yet he begot, he became Liverpool boss. He, he needed more time and more experience before getting a job like Liverpool, and that still applies to Gerard because... Whatever he's done on the pitch is great. It's something for him to use and to you know, to show his players what he did and to hopefully get respect from players and all that kind of stuff. It's definitely not gonna count against you to be like to be like that, but it doesn't count for you in terms of like making you better than an experienced manager who's been through it and seen it and and tried all the things that you've not tried yet and has failed with knows which ones have failed and stuff like that. It's it's massive. I think isn't that's
2: it? that's the difference between us, Everton and United like you know, they they give the job to Wally for whatever reason they gave it to him, ex player status or whatever. We'd never know any of qualified. I, I think if there was an interview process tomorrow for, for the Liverpool job, if if Klopp was to walk away for whatever reason or not be manager, the fact that Steven Gerrard played for Liverpool like, okay that well, that was on your playing C V. Well let's have a look at your managerial C V and it just doesn't stack up, mate. I'm sorry it doesn't. No. You as can't much as, as much as I love the fella, yeah. it doesn't stack up. But they they would happily give the job to you know Ollie or you know they've given to Dave Unsworth and Duncan in the past you know like whether it was just holding the keys or whatever but you know Frank Lampard classic example like doesn't stack up but you know maybe they they're trying to live off his playing career or you know as you say that he once had an argument with Klopp or he was you know he's always been compared to Steven Gerrard so let's let's get him in because you know, Gerard's a Liverpool legend and regardless, like, Liverpool fans will always hate him and whatever, but c- coming to the game on-, on Sunday, I mean, I think I said the other night when I was walking off the ground to him, I'd be disappointed if we don't put four or five past them. I think we, we felt pity on United. Yeah, yeah. And if we wanted to, we could have smashed them for seven or eight. But we felt pity and, you know, the... The minds of the of the Liverpool team, the lines of the Liverpool coaches and management, was you've just got ninety minutes to play, and you don't need to go hell for You just do what you got to do, and then you know, the magician Thiago come off, and was probably disappointed because he was having that much fun. Oh god, but yeah. We we didn't have to, and that, that that's that's <laughs> my one concern for the weekend is we've got so many good players, and that's like type of club that Evan are the type of fan base that Evan are they'll demand what that lad who come on for United at the end is like flying into challenges putting his foot in
1: yeah
2: um you know roughing it up and and they'll cheer that they'll cheer a corner they'll cheer a throw in they'll cheer a yellow card or whatever for their players because that's what that's their level that's they'll what they, shout, expect. they don't, they don't want football <laughs> yeah they don't they don't want football they just want you know anti football really and that that that'll, that'll do them if they walked out of Anfield with a 3-0 defeat, but we'd had two injuries, they'd see that as a win. And, yeah, and that that's an embarrassment really for the football club. But
1: well, look at look at how they were with Van Dyke. And in fact, Santiago oh, yeah. was the same game, I think, wasn't he as well? Yeah,
2: yeah, same game. Eight, what, you know, and I, eighteen I've months heard,
1: ago, I've heard Evertonians celebrating that. You know, they they stopped us winning the league because we lost Van Dyke. That kind, that's the kind of stuff I've heard of them. And again, that's not all of them, but. The worrying thing with Everton sometimes, though, is it's enough of them to be noisy, isn't it? It's that—that's what worries oh, yeah. me. You know,
2: like the, the 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 bitter blue line isn't there for no reason. It, it genuinely is business, and you, you will know for the fact that they they will happily take a loss of two or three nil because it won't dent the goal difference too much. But if they damage a couple of our players, which could potentially damage our Title challenge or trophy hunt, they would be
1: happy with that. The other thing I've um, noticed as well have you have you noticed with evertonians that you get them on their own they're actually sometimes quite reasonable you know they're sort of level headed and you can have a conversation with them and they'll give you some ground and you can give them some ground then another evertonian comes and sits next to them and it's like all oh, that goes away. They've got to yeah. put their united front on of being like the, the stereotypical bitter blue. It's weird.
2: Yeah, I think it's just. I don't know. Split personality. It's I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. What it is. It it's like a you you put your your Everton hat on, and all of a sudden <laughs> the the blue glasses slide down, and you you hate anything to do with Liverpool. And you know, if if they do go, I, I I think I've said many a time, I, I wouldn't be disappointed. I'd be I'd be happy if they go down because I think they need a reality check. It might make them realise what what they've had look at David Moyes so and what he's doing with West Ham.
1: Yeah.
2: I think they'd they bite their hand off to have him back now. He, if anything, he's got even better since he's left them. I know what's shown was he just needs a little bit of backing in the market. A little bit. A bit, bit more support by the fan base, not just always criticising and putting mm-hmm. them down. Just, you know, an arm round the shoulder sort of thing and look where they can get you. It can get you on a, a European semi-final. Like Everton haven't been in Europe for God knows how many years that you know west ham are close to a trophy everton have not had a sniff of a trophy for years like the next trophy they might get a sniff of would be the championships
1: or the playoffs that's it yeah They'll be able to pick up that old division 1 title that mm. that, that was the last time they won the league was that was that trophy that they picked up but it's um it's it's a shame for them in, in a lot of ways and i keep saying you can't say you feel sorry for everton because the, to an everton man they hate you doing that but this has been the weirdest build up to a derby in a long time as well because I don't know, there's always some sort of, I don't know, You are, they always fancy their chances against us, no matter how well we're doing. And sometimes, at times, we haven't been that far apart. You know, we've been having a bad spell, they've been having a good spell. It doesn't, I don't know, I don't, my biggest worry is that we, we sort of go in there thinking we've already won because we haven't. And as you say, if they start letting tackles fly in and the referee just sits there and watches it, it could turn into a bit of a nasty game. You know, it could easily go the way we don't want it to go. Even if we win, as you say, we could win the game but lose players. It's but it just it is definitely the one of the weirdest build ups to a derby I can remember.
2: The fact that it's it's two days away as we record now. And you're not really even like I've not really had much discussion about it.
1: I've not got Derby Belly yet. You know that's No, that I, it's
2: it's it's bizarre. Like, you know, last night you were like, you know, Burnley won and you were like, Oof. <laughs> like I, I actually I was sat there looking at the fixtures going, well, you know, Burnley have got Wolves at home on Sunday if they get even a point even in the bottom three by the time they kick off against us and,
1: Yeah, because you know, they play first, don't they, Burnley so...
2: the, the reality of the situation is we're going to spank them and they're in the bottom three like, I don't I don't think I've ever been in a situation before, you've been in, in games where you know they've been struggling but i don't think we've ever been this close to the end of the season with us going for everything and them potentially going down i think it it'll be it'll be a bizarre atmosphere i think all it will be it'll just be a party i think we're just going to revel if we get a couple of goals up like we did against united it will become the party atmosphere the OLA's will be out pretty early the the tricks will hopefully be out and you know as you say you you need a strong referee always in a derby, regardless of the situation. But this one, they could lose their heads, and they're going to be egged on by their fan base. They're going to be expected to to put a foot in and leave a foot in. Um, we really do need a if 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 there is one around a half decent referee. Um, I'm not sure who's got the game on Sunday, but we do need someone who's got a bit of steel about them and willing to nip things in the bud. Because the other nights martin atkinson let so much go i thought um and then when that kid come on he, he could have went far before you know the end of the game um, and he was only on the field for about six minutes but martin atkinson brought that upon himself he, he allowed that to happen and we were lucky not to get any injuries and
1: yeah hopefully that,
2: yeah that's what we get on sunday we get a we get a clean bill of health at the end of the game
1: you wonder why sort of if it's like a Derby match or a Liverpool-Man United game, you do get referees and you can tell from the off they're thinking, right, you know, if a yellow, what I'd normally give a yellow for, I'm going to give a telling off for. What I normally might be thinking of a red for, they'll get a yellow for. You know what I mean? It's that kind of, you know, you can get away with more because it's a big, big occasion. That's fine to a point, as long as there's no actual genuine danger to players and as long as you're consistent. And that was one of the wind-ups the other night is once again, Our players were getting booked for stuff that they were getting away with. It just seems seems to happen way too much. But you know what? This is what I do love about this Liverpool side is that we get dodgy referees, but we don't care because we just get on with the game. We just deal with that. That's just another one of the obstacles in our way. So we deal with it. You know, we score the goals. We get round it. We get the next chance. You know, we we, we just get on with it. Klopp will have a good go at the fourth official, but, you know, we just get on with it. Um, Another one I was just going to say quickly as well is about about the atmosphere at Anfield and stuff is, like, Jordan Henderson's a player who isn't well-loved on social media, I would say, by Liverpool fans, because he's not the player he was, and some people argue he never was that player, but he is, he's a he's a, he's a well-loved player, and that's what I find, what I like about the way Liverpool fans will be, is that Henderson was getting his name sung the other night, you know, it's, every single player, even if they're having a bad time, there's still a Liverpool player, there's still one of ours, and we do still try to encourage them, and, you know, this this is, again, one of Everton's things that they wouldn't encourage their equivalent to Jordan Henderson. They'd be calling for his head and, you know, screaming at him all the way through the game and just wondering why later on he didn't play well when you're on his back, it's your own player. You're not showing any sort of encouragement. But the other thing as well is, is, is after this game is, if we do as well as we think, I wonder how early they'll all be leaving. And when they do leave, I wonder what the next step will be. I'm just wondering what kind of banners are we going to see on Walton Road and so on next week? I don't know. I think you would be. If you're an Everton supporter or you've got a son who's an Everton
2: supporter, I think you best put your bedsheets in the wash and, <laughs> you know, make sure they're clean and ready for Sunday night because someone might be needing them. Um, yeah, like United fans, some of them escaped the other night. And I think, you know, they wouldn't be surprised if there was a mass exodus on Sunday because. Unlike with United fans or any other um, clubs that come to us, like they, they've got to get coaches out of the city, they'll probably just let them just go and say, "Off you go, go on, Scotland, Long, Stanley Park, or whatever you go back to." Like they'll let them go, and I would not be surprised if come seventy-five, eighty minutes, the Everton end is half empty, and what's left will be those fans. Well, <laughs> what left of them? Will be the absolute toxic yeah. ones who just can't wait to give the lads a load of abuse I mean you know it, it, as you say it's a, it's a bizarre build up and I think it's because we've got our eyes firmly focused on so many other things these are just another obstacle in the road and you know we take each game as it comes as the cliche sort of goes but you can only beat what's in front of you they'll come whatever 11 men they do put out there best of luck to them, but I think it's only going to go one way, and that's a dominant Liverpool win.
1: Yeah, I think so too, and I think, you know what, as we said it before, this is the best time to be a Liverpool fan. Um, I know I've had some of, some of my sort of people who are the same kind of age as me, sort of discussing whether, how this side compares to those great Liverpool sides, like the one that beat Forest 5-0, and all these other sides and the thing is, it it's it's a good argument to have, we're in a privileged position where we can say, that we can say look, this this is an amazing side to watch. How do in my case, you know, I can compare it to those other sides. And it's a nice debate to have which one was better. But the truth is, what you're seeing now is a side that you're going to talk about for years. What we need to do is win things, though. We've won one trophy. We need to kind of at least add another one or two to to that. Maybe get all four in the end, but we'll see. But the thing is this this is a privilege. This is a side that you're going to enjoy. You are you support the best team in the world in my opinion. And there's nowhere comes close to it because as we've said throughout this last this last hour or so it's not just what's on the field it's what's off it it's what we are as fans it's the difference i think we make as fans it's the way we are that that you know it is only football but we love our club we'll we'll support it forever we don't have to play dirty to support it we don't have to play dirty on the pitch to win and you know what that's what i love about this club so i hope you're enjoying the season i hope um you're enjoying the games that are coming thick and fast when you listen to this that Derby might be over and done with. Who knows? But the fact is, there'll be another game not far behind and hopefully we'll not be too far behind either. Our biggest problem at the moment with podcasts is just trying to find a gap between the games to record one. So I hope you've enjoyed listening. But for now, for me and Jay, that's it. But we will be back soon and hopefully we'll still be smiling too.
0: We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically.